0: Welcome to Spark, a health and wellness podcast where we teach high-achieving superwomen how to put their health and happiness back on the top of the to-do list. I'm Angela Wagner, a yoga studio owner, life and wellness coach, mama of two, and wife of one. Nicole is off today, but with me is Taylor Stoll. And she is here to answer all your questions about all the trendy and not-so-trendy nutrition things going on in the world like what is keto and paleo and are they good for me and what about gluten i mean all the things Let me tell you a little bit about Taylor. She's awesome. She is a functional medicine dietitian and a certified LEAP therapist trained in food sensitivities to produce individualized anti-inflammatory diet. She owns her own practice and works out of Carpathia Collaborative, a cutting edge functional medicine clinic in Dallas, Texas. And this is where I met her. She's also the dietitian for Dallas Sports Recovery and D1 Training Gym, where she sees recreational athletes, professional athletes, and everything in between. She specializes in gut health, autoimmune disease, and inflammatory conditions. So all that to say, she's got some cred. So welcome, Taylor.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Oh my gosh. So I met Taylor through a mutual friend who is also going to Carpathia. And it's funny because everyone, I love this clinic for so many reasons, but I love that everyone that goes there has to go through Um, nutrition training and has to work with a dietitian. I think I was like, you're my people, you know, (laughs) but but my friend, I had scheduled with someone else just because it was like, I didn't know anybody. And my friend was like, no, call back. You need to be a tailor. You need to be a tailor.
1: (laughs) Yeah. When I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, my heart. I love this.
0: I know, so I won't out her, but she will probably listen to this podcast and giggle because awesome. we have been going through a lot of the same health issues, and anyway, so welcome, so why don't you tell us a little bit? The first thing I want to talk about is what is functional medicine because this is a new newer world for me, and almost all the people that I talk to that are friends and family have never heard of it, and they're like, "What is it? So what yeah. is it?
1: Yeah, so first i all, kind of. I'll define what conventional medicine is and what people are used to. So conventional medicine, you go to the doctor, it may be, you know, just your PCP, and then they'll send you to a specialist for whatever's going on. So let's say you're feeling really down. The doctor's like, "Ah, I think you have depression. And so rather than figuring out why that's happening, they're like, you have depression, that is your diagnosis. And so I'm going to give you an antidepressant to quote unquote, fix it. Functional medicine is very different because we're not just looking like surface level, what are your symptoms? We're trying to figure out, okay, why did this happen? We're trying to connect the dots. The body is not just a bunch of random systems. It's all working together. And so we're trying to piece together like why did this happen and figure out root causes and fix those instead. So depression, for example, it could be that your vitamin D is super low. And so it may be like a deficiency that we need to fix you may have some gut trouble. This is something we'll talk about in another podcast, but there's a huge connection between the gut and the brain. And if your gut is like leaky or you don't have the right bacteria in your gut, then that can impact the neurotransmitters that you make, and it can literally cause depression. So rather than just looking at individual systems, we're seeing, okay, how is this all working together? How did you get here? I'm sure you remember you'd fill out a lot of questionnaires before you even came and saw us, because we don't just see you and start asking a couple questions and spend two minutes with you and then send you on your way with the medication. We're spending like hours going through your whole health history and trying to figure out how this came about, when these symptoms started, and a lot of, of what we do is kind of detective work, which I love, like figuring out how you got here and then fixing those root causes so that the symptoms go away.
0: Yes. And I loved that. Well, when I was filling out the paperwork, I didn't love it, mm-hmm. but <laughs> right? it literally, I think took me like two hours, but I was going yeah. through like massive brain fog and it was one of those, uh, I was just yeah. having a day. We can, you know, usually when yeah. you call a doctor, you're, you're in a state of, panic but what was so interesting about it was i mean you guys have us go back to like did you have formula as a baby or totally. were you breastfed and you know did you have a c section and it was so helpful i've had so many health issues recently but to go back and then what's interesting is that like you guys tied some of the stuff that happened to me 10 years ago to what's happening now and it's like no doctor has ever asked me or cared or thought about any of that relating so i just thought it was awesome
1: Yeah. I love that the clients who I work with are like, they're pretty motivated to get better, right? I mean, they had to spend those two hours to fill out the questionnaires. And so it's like, that already tells me like, you want to get well and you have to have that attitude. You have to be willing to like put in a little bit of work. We can't just give you a pill and and send you on your way. We have to, both of us are working together to get you better. And so it definitely shows motivation on the client's end if they're willing to fill out a bunch of forms. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. And all the stuff we're going to get into, but one more note about functional medicine that I just want to say that's so key. Cause I've been in and out of specialists for like mm-hmm. almost two years now. And mm-hmm. it's really amazing to have a group of, well, that's why I love Carpathia's as, as well. Yeah. We'll put, if anyone's in Dallas, like we'll put it in the show notes, the link, because Like my doctor and you were like working together to figure it out. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it was just nice to have like a team. And then I had another doctor that was looking at stuff. And I've never had that before. It always just feels very compartmentalized. And then go to the next doctor and you have to
1: start again and Mm -hmm. just tell them all the same things. And you're like,
0: uh, you know?
1: No, totally. Yeah. And there are other functional medicine clinics out there, but. I think that Carpathia really stands out and we get people from all over the US. We get people from other parts of the world coming to our clinic because we are collaborative. It is in our name. And and we stand by that because we, collaborate on cases. If I have a question about a client or we want to talk, I can walk down the hall and talk to that doctor. Whereas it's not necessarily the conventional medicine doctor's fault. They have maybe 25 clients in a day. They, they have five minutes to spend with you. They don't have time to call up your other doctors and be like, okay, what are you guys doing? Like what's going on in this area of, or this system of our body, you know? And so because we're all under one roof, we are able to collaborate and it, it definitely takes the care to a whole nother level.
0: Yeah, one thing I'll say too about Carpathia, the three doctors I've worked with are all MDs. And I'm not saying that, that, that you have to have that by any means, but I think a lot of people are skeptical. And then if you start Googling, like just, oh my gosh, it's just crazy mm-hmm. what you read. And so, I, yeah. you know, it's it sort of sometimes feel like the functional medicine and conventional medicine world are like in a fight. And I'm like, this is right. so crazy. So I love that because like when my friends and family were like the skeptical ones, they would say, what kind of training does this doctor have? And I'm like, well, actually she's a (laughs) OBGYN and you know what I mean? So, but I think it's cool because so many of the doctors there are MDs and went from conventional to functional. And I just think that says a lot too. So yeah, exactly. Anyway, this is actually not a podcast about functional medicine, but (laughs) I think it's important to spend some time on it because I don't think a lot of people know about it. And so it's out there. So, okay. Okay. So what we're going to talk about today are some of the common things that you see in your clients and Mm -hmm. some great like answers to the questions that aren't from Google, but rather Mm -hmm. (laughs) a trained professional. And at the end, we're going to do some of the fun ones that are just more of the trendy fad things and love to get your thoughts on them. So cool. All right. So, what are some of the things that you see very often?
1: Something I see pretty often, especially with like my like the busy, like working women or like the moms or juggling multiple kiddos, is not eating enough. And it's kind of been ingrained. Like hundreds of years ago, we didn't know what a calorie was. Like there was no such thing as calorie counting. But now we we can put a number to foods, and so if women are tempted to just think about calories in and calories out. So they come to me and they're like. I'm not eating very many calories and I'm exercising a ton and I'm not losing weight, but it's not just about the calories. There are so many other components to weight loss. And so we talk about that. And sometimes when you're under eating and over exercising, it, it can actually put too much stress on the body. And so I've, I've had clients where we actually increase calories and we cut back on that exercise a little bit. And they lose weight that way. So that is so special, counterintuitive. <laughs> right? and, they, and they don't trust me. If, like, it's hard for me to convince them. I'm like, you have to trust me. Like, I've seen this before. I've had other clients where this is a situation and we've done this and it's effective. So it's kind of like a, it's a trust fall thing that mm-hmm. they have to trust me and like take that leap and and they see it pay off. But it's definitely not as simple as just eat less and exercise more. Our body is much more complicated than that. And it's not just quantity. It's also about quality too. So I think that the food industry is getting away from this, which is good. But I feel like maybe 10, 15 years ago, everything was labeled as like low calorie and low fat. And, and people were just grabbing for things that were, were labeled as that. They were just trying to decrease calories and, and it wasn't effective. So so they come and see me. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, because all the crap in that stuff is just oh, yeah. processed. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's yep. a whole nother podcast. Um, so <laughs> right. what are some symptoms? Like how would we know if we're not eating enough?
1: Usually energy is pretty low. And something <laughs> I see really often is after exercise, they're more fatigued than when they started. And that's usually a cortisol issue. That's like an adrenal fatigue issue. So you should feel energized after exercise. You should not be like completely sent and feel like you need to go take a nap. Another thing is if if your blood sugars are dipping too low throughout the day, you're going to crave sugar. Craving sugar can mean a lot of things. I know we're going to talk about this more later, but that's another thing that I see is this constant craving for carbohydrates or sugar because blood sugars are running super low and the body's like, I need more fuel right now. And so sugar cravings kind of ramp up.
0: Okay. And so your advice would be to get some more of those like healthy fats in the diet, right?
1: Yeah. You always want to keep blood sugar stable. And so something else that I see really often is like women are snacking on like fruit or just people in general, they'll snack on a piece of fruit and fruit's awesome. I love fruit. But if you haven't eaten in four hours and you're just eating an apple and then you don't eat anything again for the next like two or three hours, you're just, you're just getting carbohydrates and those natural sugars And so blood sugars will go up, but then they'll dip back down again. And so with something like fruit, like the apple's fine, but pair it with some sort of fat or protein because it's going to slow down the absorption of the sugar and keep blood sugars really stable.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I know when I went on the diet, which we'll talk about in a little bit, that Carpathia puts everyone on, I was like, I was texting my friend who had been on it and I'm like, this is a lot of, I just feel like so much fat. It was like coconut butter, which I'd never even (laughs) heard of. And I'm having like... I mean, at first I couldn't have almond butter, but then eventually I could. And mm-hmm. I can't remember what else I was eating. And then, cause I think it said like, have like three servings of healthy fat yeah. per meal or something. And I was like, mm-hmm. Whoa, this is so much more <laughs> than I'm you know?
1: Right. Yeah. And people lose weight. That's not the goal of the diet, but people come to me and they're like, how am I losing weight when I'm like increasing my fat intake? And it's, again, it's not just the calories. Like our body processes carbohydrates, fat and protein differently. And so A lot of times when you're shifting away from a really carb heavy diet and you're focusing on those healthy fats, it's really helpful for like hormones and stabilizing those. It's stabilizing your blood sugars. It's actually kind of shifting your metabolism. So as your body starts to break down more dietary fat, it's also going to be more efficient at breaking down like body fat as well, instead of just needing carbohydrates to fuel your day.
0: Okay, so give us some examples. So I mentioned coconut butter, which we'll link to in the show notes because I was fascinated by this. And then I brought it to, I was at my yoga studio in a training and I had apples with that. And I had everyone try it and they were like, this is amazing.
1: Yeah, it's like icing. I'm like, what is the catch? Like, this tastes like icing. There's like no sugar in it. It's tricky. It's so
0: good. Okay, so and avocados, right? Would you say? Yeah,
1: avocados are really great. So they're, not only a really great source of fat, but they're actually really high in fiber, which is helpful for keeping you full too. So a staple on like that diet that you've done, that Repair Right diet, is sweet potato chips. I, like that's usually a favorite by people. And like sweet potato chips are great, but let's pair it with like half an avocado. Keep blood Sugar Stable. So avocado is great. Nuts and seeds are really great. Oils. So that's something that oftentimes we have to kind of switch some things out. So when it comes to oils, you don't want to be cooking with a bunch of like vegetable oils. So like canola oil, margarine is going to have vegetable oils. And I think we're finally shifting back towards things like butter and ghee, those fats in their natural form instead of margarine that's just full of like trans fat and and those processed vegetable oils. And when you go out to eat, Unfortunately, even if it's a nice restaurant, a lot of times they are using like a canola oil or something that's fairly inexpensive. So I'm always telling clients like, if you just take that meal that you really enjoy when you eat out and you're cooking it at home, it's probably going to be healthier because you're going to be using higher quality oil to cook it all in.
0: Yeah. And so just specifically for our listeners, I know you guys usually recommend avocado oil, coconut or olive, right?
1: Yeah, those are really good ones. And the the olive oil, again, like it goes back to the quality thing. So I don't recommend getting like an off-brand olive oil. There's actually been some issues with olive oil imports, like not being legitimate olive oil. And this is actually really crazy. And this could be a whole other topic, but apparently the mafia is involved over, (laughs) overseas. Yeah. I ended up in a, you can end up in kind of a wormhole in this field. If you can end up researching a topic for a long time. And I found myself looking at research studies and a bunch of stuff on olive oil for hours. It was like, how did I get here? What just happened? But yes, apparently the mafia is involved. So there are some specific brands that I really like. I know California Olive Branch is one that's like pretty widely available and they're actually here in the U.S. And some people have gone out there and actually visited the farm. And so that's a really good one. But oil is definitely not something you want to like skimp on and just try to get the cheapest because the quality definitely matters. But yeah, extra virgin olive oil coconut oil is great. Avocado oil is really good for high temperatures. So that's something else to think about is what temperature am I cooking the oil at? Um, Olive oil, the smoking point is like 385. So if you're roasting vegetables at 450, you would not want to use olive oil. You would want to use something like avocado oil because the smoke point is close to 500. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay.
0: And I know for me, like I had to really wrap my brain around because again, like I grew up in the era of where it was low fat, right? And so, yeah. like you said, like we're shifting, but it's still, I think, for a lot of women or just people in general, it's like you have to, like, no, put more oil in, you know, because it was always like like the least amount possible, you know? Yeah. Okay. So, we'll list a bunch of those in the yeah, show notes yeah. so you guys can see. But also, just a quick note I just did a, two episodes on toxins. So, one thing, as you guys will probably remember from one of them, is that oil is one of the things that breaks down plastic. So try, or don't try, buy your oil and glass. So Mm -hmm. I just want to say that. (laughs) Okay. So what else do you see? So we talked about snacking on fruit, which I'm definitely Mm -hmm. guilty of, not eating enough. (laughs) I can relate to. What else do you have?
1: (laughs) Um, Supplements is a big one. So Amazon is a beautiful thing, but supplements is not something that I would get off of Amazon. It's not a highly regulated industry, the supplement industry, and it is exploded. I don't know the specific numbers, but I do know the number of supplements that are available now is like crazy high. And it was not that way 10, 15, 20 years ago. And so the FDA is having a really hard time kind of managing that. Supplements actually don't have to go through a bunch of testing before they hit the market. It happens after the fact. It's more like a tax audit. And so the FDA is trying to crack down and and do more audits, but a lot of companies are failing them. So I'm really picky when it comes to supplements. So you're not only potentially not getting what they're claiming, which is shown in those audits, like some companies don't have, like there were literally supplements that did not contain what they were claiming at all like not even some of the ingredients, just none of it. I mean, you're getting like a sugar pill and paying a lot for it. So that's a potential issue. And then it can also be dangerous. So things can contain supplements can contain like heavy metals or pathogenic bacteria. There was a company There's a company called Rainbow Light. Have you ever heard of them? Mm-mm. It's like a pretty common one. So It's not like a super cheap one necessarily, and it's not that all their products are bad, but they were advertising that their supplements did not contain any heavy metals. But then recently they came out saying they're recalling a prenatal vitamin because it did contain heavy metals and they didn't realize it. So I don't know where the disconnect was there. They should be testing every batch to make sure it doesn't have heavy metals, but women were subjecting themselves to heavy metals potentially while they were bearing a child or trying to have a child. So you're not only maybe not getting what what you want, but there can be some dangerous things in there too. I'm always looking for supplement lines that bat test every single batch of supplements because you can do that or you can do something called skip batch testing. So it's like you're just testing every once in a while, but there are issues with that. There's a line called Solgar and a child actually died because... They were skip batch testing and the batch that they did not test ended up having E. coli in it. And so a kid was taking a probiotic and literally passed away because of that contamination. So it's not worth it to just get a cheap supplement off of Amazon. Uh, It's super important to hopefully work with a practitioner so they can give you exactly what you need and they can supply like a really high quality brand so that it's effective and it's not dangerous.
0: Yeah, I think that's so key. And even things like going to Costco, I remember like just, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's so tempting because you're like, oh, it's so much cheaper and supplements are expensive. But Mm -hmm. I like to think of them as like medication and you're not going to like not, I mean, you know, and then there's just like you said, so many fillers and other things going on in the Mm -hmm. pills that you don't know about. But even like with doTERRA, it's crazy. Like you're Mm -hmm. only supposed to be able to buy that from a distributor and a bunch of people selling it online. And it says that it's from doTERRA. So people are like, oh, I can just go on and get free shipping. And it's doTERRA. It says it's from doTERRA. But they're actually finding like not even just the supplements, but the essential oils. Like People are just taking used bottles and like Uh putting in synthetic stuff. And then they, you can seal it and make it look like it's brand new. And some of the stuff they've tested off of Amazon has been like nothing like what the product is. And I saw that too, with like an eyelash serum once too. I saw some reviews. That's scary. (laughs) This is not the product. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things I would say, and you can tell me what you think is like if you can buy it from the company or your yeah. local salon or your dietitian then just buy it there <laughs> you know
1: yeah definitely cuz there are i mean it's crazy and exactly like you're saying like you're only supposed to get those oils through a rep we carry there are certain supplement lines that are practitioner only lines and so that that's i find that the quality is usually higher that way cuz the the companies care more about the practitioner prescribing that supplement to their client and using it in a good way for the right person and safe way, rather than we just want to make as much money as possible. There's just more integrity from the company. And so I find that the quality is much higher and it's more effective. There's a lot more science behind like formulations, but those supplements sometimes will show up on Amazon and and yeah, people will be like, oh, I'll just get it online. But oftentimes it's not the real thing. So I highly recommend working with some practitioner who is well-versed in supplements and can tell you like, this is exactly what you need to take. And I know that this is a high quality product. It's not worth it. Just getting it online for convenience. You're probably not getting the real thing.
0: Yeah. That's just, I don't want to get into it because the, the whole <laughs> no. the whole chemical industry is the same way. It just uh, yeah. it maddens me that our mm-hmm. health is not put first, but, no, but again, yeah. this is just empowering information to know so that you can, mm-hmm. you have a choice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what else do you see?
1: Something else I see is is people getting information just from more recently just from social media like there are a lot of like instagram celebrities who really love health and fitness and i think their advice comes from a good place but one everybody's really different so what's working for them may not be necessarily good for you and could potentially be like dangerous for you or counterproductive for whatever your goals are And then I I see people getting advice from like trainers, just people who are not actually trained in nutrition, but they're giving nutrition advice. And again, like not only can those pieces of advice be not helpful or effective, but it can be kind of dangerous. Like I've had clients come in, they're like, oh yeah, my trainer put me on like a 1200 calorie diet and I'm working out for 90 minutes every day and I feel terrible, but I'm losing some weight. I'm like, no, we're not, we're not doing it this way. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) Yeah, it just, you need to make sure you kind of need to vet the people you're getting information from. I'm not saying that there aren't some nutrition celebs out there on Instagram that don't know what they're talking about. There are some that do, but you have to kind of vet through those and make sure it's a reputable resource before you just take their word for whatever advice they're giving.
0: I think that's so important. And like you said, it's in our face all day long with social media. Yeah. And like, if it's a pretty picture, we go, Ooh, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, Oh, they look great. Like I'm just going to do exactly what they're doing. And I'm going to look like them or like they reverse their autoimmune disease by drinking celery juice. I'm just going to do that. Like I would not advise that.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's really good advice. Okay, anything else that you see before we move on to some of the trends?
1: Another big one is just we live in a really fast paced world and people want results really quickly. But a lot of times when people come to me, like it didn't take you six weeks to get here. Maybe they're really sick, or maybe they've gained a lot of weight, or um, they've developed this autoimmune disease, or these gut issues, and it's been years and years. And so you have to be patient to reverse maybe any damage that's been done, or or get the body back in equilibrium and and fix these things that have happened. And so, I think it's important. Like I always try to set expectations from the beginning, because some people are like, "All right, like I'm gonna lose weight in two weeks," and it's like, mm, "That may not be the case." Or if they're feeling really poor, like we'll see changes quickly, but. Not everything is going to be fixed in two months. Like, it's a process. And so, just setting those expectations and realizing that it's not realistic to change health in a matter of a month or two, uh, I think is important. And it's all about how are you going to feel in 10 years? You know, I don't want you to lose weight in two months and then let- gain it back. Like, we're trying to make some changes to see long term optimal health. That's my goal. Yes, that's
0: awesome. <laughs> okay, so talk to me about nutrition labels because. There's so, mm-hmm. I mean, what do we need to be looking for? I know we, like you talked about before, like we tend to just look at calories. Mm-hmm. I always look at sugar, added sugars. I like that some of the labels now have added sugars versus like what's natural mm-hmm. and then fat. So what, what should we be looking for? And what are like, what are the new recommendations?
1: Mm-hmm. The first thing I'd recommend is, is not looking at the front of the package or any of the claims. Um, <laughs> I know, those are not, <laughs> yeah. Those are not like regulated. And the people that come up with those claims are not dietitians. They're not medical professionals and they're, Unfortunately not people who like care about you as a person or care about your health they just want you to buy the product and so if it says like all natural or organic or non-gmo or gluten-free like that doesn't really mean anything definitely like if you have celiac yes look for a gluten-free label but just because something says all natural does not mean it's a great product so I would always recommend like ignoring all the claims on the front and flipping over to the back or the side and looking at the actual like nutrition label so like the calories and and fat and protein and all that good stuff and then also the ingredients so as far as the nutrition label like you said sugar sugar is huge some clients are are shocked when we go through like a typical day and we we start to break it down and we're like oh you're consuming 40 grams of sugar in a day and they're like i'm not drinking soda like i'm choosing healthy things like i had a smoothie and i had like a granola bar things like that maybe like tomato sauce or things that sh- that you would think are healthy and are not slammed with sugar, like sometimes they are. So even if it's a product you don't think is gonna have sugar in it, I would just double check.
0: (laughs) And sometimes like so I've been obsessive about my kids and I mean I'm failing every day at it with their nutrition. But my son is eating like I'm gonna send you a picture because you're gonna freak out. But like (laughs) he I mean literally you will. I literally was so upset I couldn't even see straight. So he He wanted to buy lunch at school. He's in kindergarten, so Mm -hmm. he's only been in for a month. He wanted to buy lunch at school, and I've been looking at the lunches, and I'm not impressed at all. I'm like, this sounds (laughs) awful. But I let him do it one day, and it was, I think it said pizza, and I don't remember. So his teacher took a photo of him eating and sent it to me. And I kid you not, there was a piece of pizza, chocolate milk, French fries, a bag of (laughs) chips. Bag of Doritos, mm-hmm. and there was one thing that was supposed to be healthy, and it was a fruit cup, but it was like it was in syrup. Yeah. And I, I literally had a heart attack, and I was like, <laughs> "How is it that this is allowed? This is what they're feeding yeah, our
1: children." Totally. And they, there's actually they've done like observational studies of of kiddos, they've changed their lunches, and they've seen like productivity go up. Their attention is better. They're not like hyper, and you know, when we think sugar. We maybe just think about like candy or a soda, but like I said, like if they're having fries and like ketchup, it's those fries are super high in carbohydrates. It's going to spike blood sugars just like added sugar would. And so I'm like, no wonder these kids like can't sit still and they can't focus and they're super hyper. And then they're like crashing and trying to take a nap on the desk. Like it's not their Oh fault. my God.
0: I mean, yesterday was yogurt combo and I didn't know what that meant. I knew it would be high content yogurt, right? Mm-hmm. The combo which they don't actually tell the parent, is a muffin, okay? Oh, gosh. <laughs> which to me is basically like eating a cupcake for lunch. And then he, the little stinker, I told him he couldn't have milk and he got chocolate milk. And I looked at the chocolate milk, it's 18 grams of sugar in a tiny yeah. little thing. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I feel like it's a constant battle. And I'm like, you know, just for moms out there, like, I know it's a tough battle, but I'm like, if you think about how much we struggle as adults, like, I just don't want my kids to struggle their whole life with it, you know? Hey.
1: Yeah. And the the habits that we, I mean, I have a few friends who's, they grew up eating vegetable, like their their parents were healthy and it set them up to have better habits later and they enjoy healthy food. Whereas like I have friends who they did not grow up eating well. They ate those school lunches and it, it's hard to change those habits. And we become addicted to those things. Like sugar is addicting and it's hard if you've been addicted to sugar since you were 10 years old because of the things you're eating. So like you said, like it's it's a challenging battle. You're up against a lot. They're not serving great food in schools. Advertisements are being directed at kids for sugary things, and it's hard to get a kid to eat vegetables and and not a bunch of sugar and refined carbs. But it is a battle worth fighting for sure. Yeah, fight the fight. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: so let's get into trends, and I'm so excited about this part because. I want to talk about keto and I want to talk about keto because I have a lot of friends, they're very into it. And I did a bunch of research on it. And of course this was Google, so God only knows what I was reading. But when I saw the arguments against it, it made sense to me because it just seemed very similar to Atkins. And I thought we all decided Atkins was just really bad idea. So (laughs) tell me about it. So what is it and should we be doing it?
1: Yeah, so keto's different than Atkins. The main difference is that the protein intake is lower. So Atkins was it is a low carb diet, but protein makes up like 30% of the diet usually, whereas keto is like 10 to 15%. And so the reason that's important is is keto is a state of metabolism. So if your body does not have enough carbohydrates to fuel it, it can actually break down fat into ketone bodies. And those ketone bodies are used as fuel instead of like carbohydrates, instead of glucose. It's been effective for weight loss because not only is your body breaking down fat from like the food that you're consuming, but it also can break down the fat on your body. And so that's why we see pretty rapid weight loss in some people with it. Um, as far as if, if it's a diet that I recommend, that's, it's really tricky. It definitely depends on the person. And there's, there's a right way and a wrong way to do keto, right? So it's hard because the food industry is kind of taking advantage of all of these specialty diets. And so they're coming out with products that technically fit the bill, but they're not the healthiest for you. So like with keto, there's keto, maybe protein powders that have like artificial sugar. So it's like technically it's low carbohydrate, but you're also ingesting all these artificial sweeteners, which is not good for health or... People are just relying on like tons of like bacon and cheese and fatty meat. Um, and they're not eating any vegetables. like that is that's not the way to do the keto diet. So it can be done a right way and a wrong way. And there are some people that maybe it could be beneficial for, and then some it could be completely contraindicated. So, Keto is a form it's going to put your body under stress and unfortunately a lot of us are already really stressed out. That is a common theme that I see. We're just under a lot of stress right now and so if you're already stressed out and then you throw keto on top of it, it can skyrocket cortisol levels and you can actually end up gaining weight. It can mess with your hormones. It can tank your thyroid function. So if you know you're already stressed out, I would not suggest keto. If you're a woman, you're going to be more susceptible to changes in hormones, so thyroid hormones and sex hormones. So if keto is something you're interested in, I would definitely meet with a functional medicine practitioner and or dietitian to determine if it's right for your body because it can be beneficial for some people. You want to do it the right way, but it can also be really damaging too.
0: Hey, y'all. It's Angela here. I know you hear me talk about yoga a lot because I've been a yoga teacher and I've owned a yoga studio for quite a while, and I wanted to share some of that with you. So I have a free 60-minute power flow yoga class that I recorded in my studio on a random Tuesday night with my students, and I'm offering it to you for free so you can roll out your mat and flow with us anywhere in the world. How cool is that? So all you have to do is go to my website, AngelaWagner.com, click on yoga, And download the free class. See you on the mat. So one of the things I read on the side of that was against it was that most people doing the diet aren't actually in the keto state. Like they're not doing it correctly. So they think they're doing it. And then like the whole breakdown, like you were saying, isn't actually happening for the majority of the people. Would you say that's probably true?
1: Yeah. Especially if you're doing keto quote unquote, the wrong way by eating tons of like meat and things that are high in protein. Because if you eat too much protein, it'll actually be converted. So it's something called gluconeogenesis. So it's the making of glucose from another molecule. So our body can break down protein, use it as glucose and use that as fuel. So you don't have to make the ketone bodies, and so a lot of people doing keto, they're eating tons of like meat and really high protein foods, and they're not actually in ketosis. So it's definitely that—that's how it differs from Atkins. And I'd say a lot of people who are trying to go keto, they're—they're they're actually doing something more like Atkins, where protein intake's pretty high, and they're not in ketosis at all. Mm,
0: okay, so that's really good advice. Okay, how about
1: paleo? So paleo. In general, it's a pretty solid diet. A lot of my clients end up on something like that. So paleo is removing grains, dairy products, vegetable oils. So there's like highly refined, like the canola oil and soybean oil and oils that are pretty inflammatory. And then it's removing processed sugar too. So paleo is pretty solid. If someone can handle things like grains, their body can process certain types of dairy well, then... Variety is good, right? So we have all these bugs in our gut. If we're eating like ten foods, the variety of bacteria um, in our gut is going to be less diverse. And there's a ton of literature showing like the more diverse our diet, the more diverse our gut microbiome, and therefore the better our health will be. So variety is good, and how much variety we can have is going to vary person to person, just depending on what they have going on. But but paleo is something that I use with my clients pretty frequently. And we kind of see what they can tolerate beyond that. But in general, I do like paleo.
0: Okay. That's good to know. I think the key for a lot of this, these like what people consider extreme diets is like, just don't forget about your vegetables. You know, like I see totally. so many people just going like just the meat base. And then you're oh. like, well, you're eating bacon. You're going to have a heart attack, you know? Yeah.
1: Like- <laughs> right. yeah. 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 Like, I mean, with the keto, it's like, there's a right and a wrong way to, to do all of these like diets. And because the food industry is taking advantage of these these trends and these popular diets, they're coming out with products that it's not what you want to rely on. You don't want to eat, be eating tons of meat and a bunch of like paleo bars, you know. Like you said, like we have to get—I mean—focus on the basics. Like, eat your vegetables. Like, that's a real thing. Eat your vegetables. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> don't forget rare. that. No matter what diet you're on, please eat your vegetables. They're not overrated, I promise. Oh my God, no! They're everything.
0: <laughs> Okay. One more diet and then mm-hmm. one more question. And then we have, we're have we going to have you on again um, in the next month or so to talk more specifically about the gut. So we're going to actually yeah. leave the gluten thing as a teaser for the next one. But AIP, so that's the diet or a similar diet to AIP that everyone at Carpathia was on. So I was on it for six weeks and then I'm probably going to go in the next month, go back on it. So tell them a little bit about what it is. I had never heard of it.
1: Yeah. So AIP stands for autoimmune paleo. So it's like, it's a stricter version of paleo. So we're still removing like grains and dairy, sugar, those processed vegetable oils, but you're also removing some things that can be really aggravating to the gut lining and also things that can provoke inflammation. And so eggs are also removed, nuts and seeds are removed, uh, Night shades and the goal is like it says so it says autoimmune paleo So the goal is to reduce inflammation heal the gut and potentially reverse autoimmune disease so things like nuts and seeds, they contain phytates and lectins. And if your gut's already compromised, it can be aggravating to the gut lining and it can prevent you from healing. So that's kind of the goal of the autoimmune paleo diet. Like you said, we use it in our clinic. We use a variety of it. There are some tweaks that we make and, and I find that those small tweaks as well as the couple of supplements that we use in addition to the diet are super effective. Like it, it is amazing the turnarounds that I've seen in a matter of like seven to ten days. Like people will message me on the portal and be like, "Oh my gosh, like I'm feeling like a new person. Um, this is amazing. This is the best I've felt in a really long time, just from that diet and and a few supplements on board. It's really amazing."
0: Ooh, okay. We'll get more into that in the gut, the gut deep dive, yeah, deep dive that we do because there's so much goodness there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the last question about trends. So mm-hmm. it's very, very in right now to do intermittent mm-hmm. fasting. Okay. And my brother does that. Well, I don't know. So I, you'll have to t- tell me. So what he does is he doesn't eat past 5 PM and, okay. and then he doesn't eat again until I think it's 9 AM. and yeah. That's all he did. Well, he, I shouldn't say, he says that's all he did. He's done it for months now, but he also, he also eats really clean except for one cheat day. So like, I was like, Tony, you can't say that's all you've done. Like, he (laughs) like very, very, very clean, lots of veggies and clean food. So I mean, but he swears he lost, I don't know, 30, he's lost quite a bit of weight on it. He's not a big guy. So is that intermittent fasting or is that different?
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. Intermittent fasting doesn't really have like a definition. So you can have like different periods of fasting. So you can have like a 12 hour overnight fast, or you can do like 16 hours or 18 hours. So that, that is a type of intermittent fasting. Another type would be like a four or five day fasting mimicking diet. So you're drastically decreasing the number of calories you're ingesting for just a period of four or five days so there is no formal definition if someone tells you like oh you need to do intermittent fasting and that means it's you know x number of hours between dinner and breakfast they they don't really know what they're talking about because it's gonna it's gonna differ depending on on what the person's going for like you said a lot of times when people make these little changes they they think that's all they're doing but it kind of catapults awareness of of other aspects of health. And, and like you said, like, if you're going to put that effort in and be thinking about like, okay, I'm going to be thinking about when I'm going to be eating. You're usually going to put more focus on like what you're eating as well. That's something Mm -hmm. that I see. So, um, as far as if intermittent fasting is effective or not, or safe or not, again, it it really depends on what's going on with the person. So kind of similar to keto, like it's going to put your body under some stress our bodies are amazing and they're, they are resilient up to a point. So like when we exercise, that is a form of stress, but our body can adapt and it can become stronger. But when we have too much stress on the body, so like you're exercising a ton, you're not sleeping enough, you're maybe not eating the right things. And so blood sugars are up and down. You're dealing with a lot of like mental emotional stress. Uh, Maybe you have some sort of like leaky gut going on. So there's all of these stressors your body can't handle it all. And so throwing intermittent fasting on top of that is kind of a recipe for disaster. Um, So again, it kind of, it depends on what's going on. And unfortunately women are just, we're fragile. We're more fragile than the guys are. Like our hormones are more fragile. Um, And so we can run into a lot of issues. If we're doing something like keto or intermittent fasting, we can get hormonal imbalances. We can get poor thyroid function. our cortisol can skyrocket or it can crash. Um, so it's something to be really careful with. And again, like I I think it's, it's really helpful to meet with a practitioner and and determine what is going to be best for your body right now, just depending on what's been going on in the past, what symptoms you're dealing with now and what are your goals and, and where are we trying to go?
0: Yeah. And I will say being a, a client of yours, I was, I mean, I was really excited about the nutritional aspect. Cause it's like, I know that's such a huge foundational aspect that that's one thing that's so sad. Conventional medicine doesn't even touch on I brought my son to a a specialist, a GI specialist. And I mean, he's five. And of course they did like a Sano because he just was always complaining about his stomach issues. You know, they did the celiac test and they were like, it's fine. Here's some IBS medication. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I am not putting my five-year-old on IBS medication. And I said to him, I was like, shouldn't we look at diet? Like, I know know that he doesn't have celiac, but I don't have celiac and I can't tolerate gluten. I haven't had in 10 years. It's like, what about dairy? And he literally looked at me and said, And I love this doctor. He's one of the few that I love. And he said, it's not diet. The diet would not affect this. Mm. And I was like, oh, you're breaking my heart. I have to leave you now. (laughs) Oh, no. You know, and so to me, it just went against everything I know to be true. And so I just went home and said, okay, we're going to like not completely cut out dairy and gluten, but we're going to like limit it a ton. Mm -hmm. And guess what? his stomach aches went away. So there
1: you go. Yep. Yeah. And it, it's bad. Um, it's not, it's not the physician's fault. So it's, it's so easy to like blame them and get frustrated, but it's like, they weren't trained in this. This is not what they were taught. Um, you know, for years they were, they were taught like how to use medications and surgery to fix things. That is conventional medicine. You use medication or you use surgery to fix a symptom. Um, and so it, if they don't know how to speak to something, I think it's easy for them to just kind of discount it. So like, I don't have time to be, you know, doing some side research on on nutrition stuff. Like, I think it's not effective. Let's use medication instead. I mm-hmm.
0: totally respect conventional medicine because it doesn't sound like that on this podcast, but I do. <laughs> um, I just think that there's a time and a place for, for different types of care. But it's just when, when they say like the research doesn't show that to be true or that, like they just discount it. And yeah. I'm like, mm, I don't know how anyone can say that the research doesn't show that healthy nutrition can literally change every system
1: in your body. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There, there's so much literature out there. So if, and I, I've done this from time to time, like some clients will come to me and they're like, oh, my physician like doesn't really believe in this. And so I'm like, okay, like I'll send you some research studies and you can pass these along to them. Cause there's, is, there's is a lot of literature out there and. And as we're becoming more and more aware of the impact that diet has and, and our gut, how it's functioning, how that affects the other parts of the body, the research is kind of exploding too. So it's a really exciting time that we're really delving into how, how nutrition plays a role in health overall. And, and the research is definitely there. So.
0: Oh, good. Okay. So we could talk forever, but that's why we're bringing you back. And (laughs) I really want you guys to listen to the gut one that we're going to do next, because this is to me is so fascinating. And it's just, it it could be the answer to a lot of the problems that you have. But for now, why don't you tell them where can they follow you? Where can they find you? What do you have going on in your life?
1: Yeah. um, So you can go to my website just for more information about me and like services that I um, have. I, I work with clients in, in DFW in person. I love to do that. But if you're not in the DFW area, I still, I work with clients virtually. I do that often. So my website is plateandcanvas.com. and um, So you can find me there. And then I'm also on social media. So I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I try to post to Instagram pretty regularly. So always post in some you know interesting research studies there and things that i eat on a regular basis um things like that so please uh feel free to follow along there um i have some exciting stuff coming up it's kind of in the works right now and i'll hope that i will continue to be on this podcast so i'll keep you guys in the loop
0: um, of course you will
1: <laughs> i'll keep you guys in the loop as they are actually like accessible to the public but i do have something um in the works with a colleague about the Bredesen protocol, which is actually, um, a protocol created by Dr. Dale Bredesen to potentially halt and reverse Alzheimer's. So super interesting stuff. We could do a whole podcast on that, but, um, that's kind of in the works to get, um, a little like intro course on that available online for people. And then I also am trying to come up with a course just for general nutrition, again, available online, because some people just They don't have maybe the funds or they don't need like one-on-one attention and they just want some general guidelines. Um, And so I want to be able to provide that. So that's, that's in the works as well. And I'll, I'll keep you guys posted on when that will be available, but.
0: Yes, we, and we'll bring you back when that comes on. I think that's such a great service because um, I, like you said, I think a lot of us get our, our nutrition information from pretty pictures on Instagram. And so like, sure. and then I always have, we always have questions like these things that you're answering, like, is this diet good? And just cause my neighbor did it, should I do it? And sure. I mean, I think it's awesome. So thank you for coming on and answering some of these questions. Um, so you guys go follow her. Her Instagram is awesome, plate and canvas. She also goes on her stories a lot and gives kind of real, real time info on what's going on and what, what you should be eating and all that stuff.
1: <laughs> well, Thanks so much for having me. This is so much fun.
0: Yes. So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Spark. If you have a few extra minutes, please do an act of kindness and leave us a review on iTunes and share this episode with your friends. It really does help us out to spread the word. You can find all the show notes and links that we discuss at AngelaWagner.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at TheAngelaWagner. Remember this week to take the time to give thanks, raise a glass and discover what it is that sparks you.